Hello and welcome to Dragon Bites, the paediatric podcast aimed at paediatric trainees and anyone interested in child health. I'm Asim, one of the paediatric trainees in Wales and one of the presenters for Dragon Bites. This week we're going to finish off our episode on reflective models. If you listened to last week's episode, I was joined by another one of the Dragon Bites hosts, Rebecca Jones, and the two of us had a chat with Dr. Pramod Vallabhaneni, a paediatric consultant based at Morriston Hospital and one of our local educationalists. Last week we covered the models Schoen and Rolf, this week we're going to be covering Gibbs. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode, it might be worth going back to have a listen to that first. Anyway, let's get started. Fab. So we're going to move on to Rev now, who's going to be introducing us to Gibbs, I believe. Yeah. So I think um, even though I didn't know the names of the people that came up with these uh, models, I think when I was looking over it, Gibbs is probably the one that was I was actually probably most familiar with. Um, like I said earlier, as a med student, um, we were given just a blank box and told to reflect when we were having to submit them online. Whereas when I was a foundation trainee, the portfolio was set up in this Gibbs manner. So it, it some of the trainees listening might be more familiar with this, even if they didn't realize they knew um, the name. So Gibbs sets out a, um, a cycle and he tried to encourage learners to think systematically about, um, about the phases of an activity. So going through a process and it's supposed to be a constant process um, so that you are constantly learning on the experience. So initially they wanted you to describe the event. So like we said, every model wants a description, but again, this isn't the most important part of it. Then you identify how you were feeling during that process and um, or what happened. Um, and then you move on to evaluating that and um, looking up the, the positives that happened and the negatives that happened and trying to remove emotion from it. You're just looking at it in a very systematic approach. Then you come on to the analysis. So then this is where you, I think, historically, they want you to look at other areas of research that kind of might influence this event. But for yourself, it's, it can just be just ha- what you've learned from it and how you've learned. And then you conclude, so you summarise your events and then you make a plan. So um, I've probably not described it in as best way as I can, but um, it's always easier to look at it in this um, in a cycle. So the questions it asked, so what happened? Then you move on, what were you thinking and feeling? What was good and bad about the experience? What sense can you make of this? What else could you have done? And if this happened again, what would you do differently? And then you go back. So if you encounter that again, that situation again, you can then counter the whole cycle. So I did try to write a little reflection to try and show this in action. What happened? So I made my partner sign up for a half marathon with me. And um, it was going to be his second half marathon. 
and it was going to be my seventh. Um, the first one that he did, he didn't enjoy. So this is why I made him sign up for it. This time, the aim was to just enjoy the run. And in order to do this, we completed a training plan and we did the run and it was successful. On leading up to the run, when we were doing that, so this is the feelings part now. So um, in preparation for the run, I was excited to get back into running. I'd previously myself fallen out of love for it. So this challenge was as, mu as much for me as it was for him. But I was nervous that he wasn't going to enjoy it. And I was going to have been the bad guy for making him sign up for a half marathon. Because he had been in pain the first time. So I didn't want him to be in pain again. Um, so I had a lot of anxiety around this event. But I felt confident that we had done our training and despite busy work schedules and training plans, we had got the most of it out of it and we were in a strong position. But I was conscious that previously in races, your mind gets the better of you um, and it can have a massive effect over your body. So when we were doing the race, my partner started to fall behind and I knew that it wasn't his physical ability that had got hold of him it was his mental um the mental aspect of running but instead of being supported i got frustrated in that moment because we were supposed to be doing this run and it was supposed to be better but he was struggling despite my positive encouragement so i had to go into i had to in inverted commas go into bad cop mode to get him going again and say no you can do this don't let your mind get the better of you which worked and crossing the finish line I felt really proud and elated that he'd managed to achieve this so when I was then evaluating this I was thinking about the good and the bad things so the good things about this experience was that despite the apprehensions despite all the worries both of us managed to complete this half marathon. And despite a busy schedule, we got to use it to spend time together. Um, it also showed that despite self-doubt in the middle of the race, we managed to encourage each other, or I managed to encourage him, to finish this race when he felt he couldn't carry on to prove to him that he could do it. The bad side of things is that I probably got a bit frustrated and angry at him um, when I didn't need to, because he was doing an amazing thing. Then when I've, when I've tried to analyze it, so what sense can I make out of this? I said, this experience showed me that putting the training, surprise, surprise, really does help you have a better run. But throughout this training plan, I was filled with dread and self-doubt both for both of us, it showed that despite voices telling you you can't, you can, and this isn't just true of running. So this reflection isn't just about run, running, it's also not about running. Challenging yourself is an important part of development. And yes, sometimes things get hard, but with the support from those that you love, and most importantly, support from yourself, you can achieve things that you weren't sure were possible. Then, to, what else could I have done? Both of us could have tried to do more training, which might have helped us with the process. But I think overall, this self-doubt was always there. I think 
what we could have done better was not worrying about what the time was going to be because I think that was what the mental block was. We could have finished, we could have just gone out there to enjoy it, which is what we all need to do in lots of areas of life is just focus on the present and enjoying the experience rather than causing unnecessary anxiety about something that hasn't happened yet. And if this arose again, what would I do? Well, the biggest learning thing I think is that I probably won't make my other half sign up for a half marathon again. But if he did, I would just be there for the ride and I would just be a voice of encouragement and try not to put pressure on him to get a better time, to get a better form, to finish this feeling better than he did last time. Because I think probably me putting the pressure on him is the thing that made him have the mental block in the first place. That's how I interpreted the model. And I think there's lots of reflective cycles that have developed since Gibbs. And I think Gibbs probably took it from other reflective models, but it's one that's been developed constantly that I think modern models do use as well. I think that was a really good reflection. I don't know why you're being so harsh on yourself. That was absolutely a good use of that model as well. Um, so what I was going to say is, um, I think probably loads of students are really familiar with Gibbs because just like yourself, I think Gibbs is what I was introduced to, even though I don't think it was by name, but that was definitely the the cycle of reflection that I was introduced to back in undergrad. Definitely. Yeah, so it, I agree. I think that one rings a bell and it, it's got a ring of familiarity to it whenever whenever I see it. Um, I, I just want to pass on to promote and just hear his, his thoughts as well. Yeah, and, and what I really liked about Reb's conclusion there was what Gibbs, and Gibbs would have been proud, Reb, of that model that you used there. So the personal action plan. You see, I think he perhaps was the first person, if you look at it, who came up with that, okay, you've done all of this. What are you going to take on board for you, for you at making you as a focus? And your personal action plan right at the end was perfect wasn't it because you you summarized all of those things that you fell through and i think that's perhaps is the emphasis of gibbs and and let me also say this whilst we're saying medical students or even some of our early pediatric trainees or actually even senior trainees perhaps don't understand these names and models of reflection but can i share this with you even at a supervisor level I don't think many people know that there's this whole thing about reflective models or how to critically analyze reflection. So sometimes I think reflection has become blind leading the blind and then blind, you know, further leading the blind because uh, this discussion has been quite rich personally for me just to hear, you know, the concept that you brought in. And if people are listening, they should really focus on, okay, this model may not have a name, but the key process there of what Reb shared. Again, she learned as she reflected and then she had a plan as a forward going process. And if I just may add this and sorry to um, overload you with my thoughts. See, reflection, why is it really important in healthcare? Why should it always stay? If we all agree, medicine is for lifelong learning. I hope, you know, everybody agrees to that. Um, then you have to reflect continuously isn't it because if you stop reflecting i think you've stopped learning so i think this continuum of learning is um, quite rich and both those examples what i heard from you both have been excellent 
Oh, thank you, Pramod. Um, and thank you, Rev. That was a really, really interesting reflection. And well done to you and your partner for, for completing the half marathon. Um, but what I'm going back to this model is that um, what I what I wanted to say about it was that I know people get really frustrated with it as students because I know that I did is that I was as a foundation trainee and you're looking at these questions and you're going, why am I answering these? Like, what what is the benefit? Like, what do you mean? analyze this but actually if you just take the five and hopefully with me using something like running as an example it shows that these questions don't have to be hard ones and it's not there is a point to each one of them which as a foundation trainee which I know you know was only a couple of years ago but reflection has become far more important to me in that time is I know that I thought what was the point like I don't get why they're asking me these questions how can I answer these questions but if you're struggling really trying to hone in on answering them it will just help you develop naturally as a reflect as with your reflections and get better at it because certainly if I look back on my portfolio as a foundation trainee those reflections were meaningless because I wasn't answering all these questions. I was just blank writing into space. Whereas now, if I use this model still, although I don't know what model I use in my everyday life, if I'm honest, but if I use this model, I can get down to the true meaning of a event and the true learning from it that I couldn't do as a foundation trainee. Because if you engage with it, that's when you really get the benefit from it. And I know people probably listening are rolling their eyes because we all say that all the time. I think that actually that works as a really good segue into what I wanted to discuss next, which was, you know, what are the advantages and, and disadvantages of um, the, the different reflective models or even using a reflective model at all um, for that matter? So, um, I mean, you, you, you kickstarted the discussion, so I'll move on to promote. <laughs> I know, no, that's great. That's great. Thank you. Um, so I'll move on to Promote next. So wh when it comes to reflective models, Promote, what are your thoughts? Wh what are what are its uses or, you know, it's the advantages and disadvantages of, of, of models to reflection? Thanks, Asim. So the pros of a reflective model is it gives you a structure. It gives you a format on how you should align your thoughts and then it also pushes you to encourage that further analytical synthesis part of reflection and it makes you you know a deep practitioner as they call it so you, you, if you use those models it gives you a certain you know point of okay this is where i'm focusing and you could take a pause you can look it up because not all reflection is just based on your thinking and your inferences you could take a constructive pause, go look it up, and then come back, research on it. And so the model can be really useful in those aspects. And the other thing about those models is if you try different models and you think, okay, this has worked for me better, it kind of aligns whilst the learning styles are a myth. We could argue that learning models could suit certain people better. 
you must have heard about the recent criticism about learning styles. But still, some of us like listening to something. Some of us like reading. Some of us like to watch. So the same thing with reflective models. There is a model here, right from Sean to you know Gibbs, Kolbs, which Jasper, whichever you you pick up, you might like one of them. And you could continually use them or go to the next one and refine them. So those are the pros in my um, view. But the downside of things for these models could be, oh, I have to always follow in this structure. I have to start with description. I have to start with now what? And then I have to start with so what? Or the cycle that Reb said about Gibbs, you, you are constantly following those. And actually, some of it might become a filler. So you, you you don't want to you don't have much to say in that section when you arrived there, but then because you're using that model, you might think, oh, I have to fill in something here. So you're just reflecting, or you're adding some lines for the sake of it. So that's one of the big downsides to it. But if you read um, or the current you know barriers to reflection, is most people are saying there's no time for me. I don't have the time to fill all these boxes, and I'm not motivated enough today to follow these models and I, therefore I'm not going to fill these in. And these actually are stopping me reflecting because you're not allowing me my freestyle of reflection. So those could be the downsides of using a certain model or the reason why your portfolios did not give a name for the model is perhaps one of these reasons. They didn't want a model to be particularly thrashed about in a positive way or a negative way. Oh, thank you, Prabhu. So, so I think you bring up some really, um, some really interesting points there, and I think I have to agree with you. I think one of, particularly, I think when you're first getting started with reflection, one of the advantages of it is it gives you something to work to. Equally, I also agree. I think when it comes to disadvantages, and I think you touched upon both these aspects here, um, I, and I view them as as like slightly separate entities. Is first, it, it imposes a a linearity to your thinking that I don't think really exists in reality. Um, and I think the other aspect that can be a bit of a disadvantage is that, and, and you said this really eloquently there, is that you can see those those um, different aspects that you have to fill in as being necessities and they end up becoming chains that bind you rather than ideas to, to help free up your thoughts. You're so desperate to just, oh, I don't have time for this, but I have to put something in this box. But sometimes you just you just do it because you have to do it rather than you've really got anything to say there. Rev, I didn't know if you had anything else that you wanted to add in at this stage. No, I think like but both of you have said the things that I was thinking. Um, using my example as when I was initially thinking about what I could ref use as an example for this, probably I think my thoughts were all over the place. But the benefit of then using the Gibbs model to articulate those thoughts and feelings is that it did give me a structure because if I had just opened up a word document and started typing about it I probably wouldn't have come to the same conclusions so that's that was my thought of what the benefits so I think I'm just echoing what you guys have said is that the models can be really helpful in just really helping you hone in on it um but sometimes it's just being a, be working in the NHS, being a medic, being a healthcare professional, and then just having life can sometimes just be really exhausting. And then having to reflect can then just feel like a bore. So you 
using those models then just becomes more of a a downside and you want that free flowing text so it's a really difficult balance to hit but I've certainly enjoyed thinking about these models I haven't thought about them in this way before (laughs) (laughs) thank you Promo did you have anything else you wanted to to add in there I think the biggest challenge for our current generation trainees and medical students is the time to reflect it is becoming uh, you have to find time to reflect you know you, you're constantly looking for time because I think everybody enjoys learning isn't it we all enjoy learning that's why we've got into medicine and you know we are pursuing as a healthcare professional so if you want to make that enjoyment real and if you want to make that learning real what my uh, because I'm the oldest of the group, my advice would be to do it in little amounts. Reflection doesn't have to be this big exercise where you're writing a 650-word reflection. Do it in small, short spells, but do it often. So I think we all should agree. We perhaps should have a little bit of time right at the end of the day where we reflect on how the day went. It's a kind of question perhaps your parents asked you when you came back from school and you just shrugged your shoulders and said, don't know. <laughs> but that, that probably is good enough for a toddler. But then for us, we, if we ask ourselves a question, or actually one of the um, things I enjoyed discussing with a medical student about reflection recently is they record audio reflections. So if a thought comes in, they're taking out their uh, smartphones and just talking to themselves. Okay, this is the experience I've had. This is what I've learned. And then what they've done is they've collected all of those. And when they've had some real time to sit down and write their thoughts, they've date stamped their reflections, which I thought was quite nice. Mm. And, and yeah, the amount of technology the youngsters are using these days. And they also have these reminders set up where you can have you know, something coming into your inbox or an SMS where you, you constructively take some time out for reflection. So I think lack of time is our biggest barrier, whilst we're always continually reflecting. Uh, to put it to paper is sometimes a challenge, so why not record it? Or maybe we should have a TikTok uh, account for reflection, you know, in an educa- educational way, because obviously we can't put everything, uh, what you're going through in terms of experiences. But yeah, that kind of an approach to reflection would be, uh, I think, something fresh because, and also we should have a lot of reflective writing workshops, which I don't think we offer our students or our trainees, or actually even for our supervisors. Because I, I feel the whole essence of reflection has gotten somehow and people just are doing what they know and they're fine-tuning it little and often. Mm. Thank you. Thanks, Rob. Um, Reb, do you, do you, now, now that you've had time to think about it, what's, what do you think you'll be trying going forward? I think probably, for fear of sounding like I'm copying, the, the model that you were discussing, Asim, probably sounds like the one I, would, I use more commonly just naturally Hmm. um although I still currently have a tendency to just be a storyteller and writing an essay that has little not weight behind it but I think the the thing that I leaving this the thing that I want to focus on is just being more concise I think I'm definitely one of those trainees that just puts too much emphasis on the description of the event and that's not the important thing, as you said, like that can just be a two line, two line scenario. That's like a baby in A&E that was difficult to cannulate. That's all it needs to be. Um, that's where I want to develop from. But um, I find it really useful 
to have a plan because it gives me focus at the end. So it would be the same as you promote, I think, but probably a bit more rambly than yours are. <laughs> and I think, the, the, sorry, just to add to Reb's point, I, I think life's um, experience of, should I say, age kind of makes you cut down on that as well, I feel, because, you know, if you look at my reflections, if I show you um, from my trainee days, because I looked up last night on my, you know, you could download your portfolio before you gave up um, your uh, RCPCH portfolio, they were lengthy. I was like, oh, so years of experience do help you. I'm not saying in a, that you shouldn't write in a lengthy way, but again, perhaps the key thing there is if you if you analyze and you have an analytical approach to reflection, they should be shorter is my belief. Because if you raise a verbose, like an emotive style to reflection, the way I mark reflection, if I have to, and perhaps people who are listening might get the way I'm an examiner, is what is the analysis? What is your line of reasoning in this reflection? Where is your chain of thought? And then once you have that, you're critically analyzing it, and it has to be analytical. That's really interesting to hear from Ode. But my, when it comes to, to reflection, I've always viewed reflection as... Um, as sort of, and I think I said this last time, but I always view reflection being to wisdom what um, exams are to knowledge. So I feel like reflections are meant to show that as a trainee, you are growing and developing and thinking ahead about what you're doing next. And I think the analytical part at the end is really interesting. But I really like hearing people's thought process leading up to the action point. And I always think back on, um, I don't know if either of you have ever read um, um, Swan's Way by Proust, but it's it's perhaps the best bit of reflective writing ever written. It's, it's where that term, the Madeline moment comes from. So this this man takes a bite of cake. Um, that's, this is how the book starts. So he takes a bite of a cake and the scent and flavour of that cake reminds him of his childhood. And then he goes on in a million word rambling prose about all the emotions and feelings and memories dredged up, reflecting in incredible detail about everything that's been brought up by a single bite of a cake. And then I think about the fact that us as, you know, practicing pediatricians, we deal with um, deaths in childhood, having to um, break up families because of safeguarding concerns, having to support colleagues through, through hugely traumatic events. And then we try and summarize it up in a couple of hundred words. I'm like, oh, it's almost an injustice that we have these hor you know, huge events and Proust puts us to shame with a million words on having a bite of cake. I quite enjoy people who take their time to really elaborate on their thoughts and have an almost diary-like process. But it, admittedly, that's from a sort of personal interest. And I can imagine as an examiner, that would be a bit no, of a but even Sorry, Asim, it's such an interesting chain of thought going on there. And sorry, Reb, I'm coming in here. So now if we take the fundamental point that reflection is for learning, having an emotional outburst in a reflection perhaps is more for your, um, not for your learning perhaps, but more as your diary, which as a child, you know, if, if you've written a diary, that would be like a journal. So the point I, I was trying to emphasize there was, you see, when, when you look at reflections, mostly they are emotional outbursts of the event. Perhaps that is not what Sean started off as a reflective practitioner, is my feeling. What, what is fundamental to reflection is there has to be learning. And if you find the learning in that emotional outburst, make it clear at the end. 
that this was my learning is, is what I'm trying to say. I'm, I'm no way saying that you should only write in 200 words or 400 words because that would be scripted reflection. But what happens I've seen is the emotional description is so vast that the end becomes as above. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that uh, because yeah, people have expended their energy and resources and time in that initial phase. Hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's a really fair point. At the end of the day, you know, the, the, the purpose of the reflection is to show what you are learning, what you're taking forward, what your plan is. And, you know, if it, it, to get there through a fast, efficient route, I think is completely sensible. But at the same time, I take a personal joy in reading people's reflections, which are an emotional outburst, because I feel like I can then relate to this person and I can relate to their journey. But yeah, um, sorry, Rev, I feel like you want to jump in here. No, I, I just, when you were talking, um, Asim, you were, you were making me think about um, a lecturer that I used to have that um, you knew that you were going to have this lecture with him, that he was going to cry and that he was going to tell you a story of what he had learned from this really valuable experience with a patient. But the key thing was, is that he would get to the bottom line and he would have an action point. And he... I used to love every lecture with him because he was just such a good storyteller, but then there was always a learning point towards the end of it. I think that emotive stuff is still really important because it's how we process, but we use that initial emotive stuff to then hone in and use it as a focus then to go into more concise reflection, if that makes sense. Now, just to say, you see, for example, um, if you now go on a well-being course, okay, um, people are saying, oh, you should write your thoughts down, you should write your experiences down. Uh, as long as we make the demarcation that uh, emotive journal is perhaps not the essence of reflection, but having your feelings described, as long as you evaluate and you analyze and you take home a learning point from it, I think has to be the key. And also the biggest barrier, the reason I've developed this approach to reflection now is I keep hearing the barrier to reflection is time. Oh, I don't have the time to sit down and, you know, write these lengthy reflections. It doesn't have to be lengthy. And at the same time, not one style suits everybody, whichever way you want to adapt it and approach it. But but as a, as a take home or a challenge that we all need to think about is, you see, would reflection be the same in 10, 20 years time? Will reflection be a you know written format, or will reflections become more imagine that scenario now you know you both are going to be supervisors in the future. you will be perhaps seeing a video blog is my prediction video blog of your trainee telling you, okay, this is what's happened. this is my view of it, this is my reflection. Uh, how refreshing would that be because I, I you know if, if we have to take away all this typing and helping um, lives get a bit easier. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm really, perhaps that's a different um, podcast in, it, in its own way. The, the futuristic, you know, um, reflection, what it might be in 10, 20 years time. Yeah, sorry, I digress, but... No, that's really good. Uh, and uh, I've got to say, I think as a, a, a hopefully one day a future a future educational supervisor, I'm really excited to to see which I, I'm, I'm really hoping people come up with more inventive ways than we've currently been given sort of permission to use. It'd be nice to have people who would just, just do whatever feels most natural to them to reflect. If it's a video blog, 
if it's a poem, if it's a drawing, a comic book panel, a short story, whatever, so long as they get to the eventual learning point, you get that feeling from them that they've really thought about it. But there's so many ways they could do it. I'm really excited that, that hopefully one day in the future that's going to be a bit more formally allowable, that actually we should let's just put this entirely in the trainee's hands or, you know, even as in the consultant's hands, because you guys have got your own portfolios to maintain um, for your um, for your revalidations and everything. Let's just put it in the hands of the learner and let them reflect in the way that works for them. Um, before we start winding things up, because I, I can talk about this stuff for hours as you want. Me well, too. Right? This is like, you know, this has been so refreshing and I've enjoyed all my, you know, podcasts with Asim and, and Reb's added a great new dimension today. It's just like, this is a steady day. <laughs> no, we, we've all taken individual learning points and we've consolidated our learning. So a steady day doesn't have to be a boring PowerPoint, uh, you know, induced lecture, isn't it? Such So the discussion has been so rich. I know we, we're recording for a podcast, but yeah, I, I've, I've really enjoyed the, you know, energy of it. And uh, yeah, I, I've thoroughly learned this morning, which is brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you both. Uh, any final thoughts before I draw at least this episode to a close? Otherwise, our listeners will have enough of it. I, d I don't think I've got any uh, major thoughts other than this discussion has just highlighted to me that models can be useful um, and that they're a good starting point for us to um, use to be able to reflect. But just highlighting that how, just how important reflection is, it's I think it's really easy to fall into the um, this is rubbish, but these models are really are really good tools, and that we just have to we just have to find a way that works for us, and that just takes time. Thanks, Reb. I agree. I think it's really easy to be a cynic about anything in life, but particularly being cynical about reflections is a it's a very easy out, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and promote any any final thoughts? Thank you. My personal take home is reflection is for learning. Learning is lifelong as a healthcare professional. It is a continuous process. We reflect all the time. And if you have to put it into context, my um, advice would be, are you reflecting for portfolio? Are you reflecting in an academic style? And then whichever model you choose, you will find your own recipe. And actually the challenge to our listeners perhaps is, why don't you think of your own model? You know, you don't have to assign yourself to one of these models that are out there. If you already have a model, if that works for you and you haven't felt the need to follow these particular models, that's absolutely fine. It's just that share it, show your work kind of a thing and share those models. But I think we all enjoy reflection, uh, no matter how much um, uh, hate the word reflection is getting uh, perhaps there'll be a new word for reflection in the future but it'll always be old wine in a new bottle so reflection is going to stay with us till we stop practicing medicine or actually life we talk about all these models and it can get really complicated and i think that's then what makes reflection this dirty word is that it becomes really complicated and the simple matter is is that you just need to show that you're learning from something and that you have a plan of what what you've taken from it. And that's the simplicity of it. But we just overcomplicate it because we're academics or we need to like follow this thing and it just gets overcomplicated when we just need to learn and we do it all day, every day. You just don't always write it down.
And I just wanted to say thank you to both Promode and Rebecca for recording that episode for us. That's actually going to be it for this year for Dragon Bites. We're going to take a long-deserved break over Christmas. Join us again towards the end of January, where we'll be back with you with new episodes. Thank you for listening to Dragon Bites. <laughs> <laughs>